If Kirk Cousins keeps playing the way he did against the Chargers, no shot he gets a contract this offseason. Not for Minnesota. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, Luke Braun. Hey, let's find some joy today. You can find the Locked On Vikings podcast wherever you find your favorite shows, whether that is a podcast listening app like the SXM app, uh, or you can also go to SiriusXM to listen to live radio broadcasts, home broadcasts, Paul Allen and all of that of all Vikings games. You can also find the show on YouTube or Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. Thank you so much for those of you who listen to this show every single day. I appreciate you all so very, very, very much, especially when you listen to these Wednesday episodes, which is where I think I have the most fun because we're actually talking X's and O's and breaking down tape. And that is just a a blast and a half for me. Uh, So thank you guys so much. For participating today on the show, there's a few things that I want to go into. First, we'll talk about Kirk Cousins, and I don't think he had a great game against the Chargers. I don't think he was consistent enough. He had some awesome moments, but also some not great moments. And I don't think that ups and downs are what you're looking for. From are we still going to buy into this guy as a franchise quarterback? Which is still an unanswered question for the Vikings. Uh, there's also some odds and ends about the run game and um, the offensive line, of course, but also. Uh, how did the Chargers kill the Vikings defense and pass all over them so much? And is that repeatable by other teams? My hypothesis going in was no. Still kind of feel like the Chargers just did a lot of really impressive stuff. Credit to them, but we'll get into it in, in, in more specifics. But first, let's talk about Kirk Cousins. But first, let's talk about Kirk Cousins. Um, here's the deal. I think he had ups and downs in this game. And for a quarterback who is trying to prove himself to a team that has so far acted like they're not going to keep him. And this is sort of Cousins' chance to overturn that. That's, I guess, the way that I've been approaching this situation is, you know, he, he if he plays out of his skull and takes the Vikings to the Super Bowl, then we rethink this. But otherwise, they're sort of operating as though Cousins is moving on. Uh, you got to do better than this. I, I, I don't think that that's an unfair standard to hold him to. I mean, you know, any NFL quarterback to a degree, right? Um, but let me defend my take a little bit. Um, I, I sort of went into it in Twitter Tuesday yesterday with people asking about um, Kevin O'Connell and the play calling and what's wrong with the play calling. I think people who are upset at the play calling are totally off their rocker. Um, I After watching the tape, I, I think Kevin O'Connell called a masterclass, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think the plays themselves were super, super, super cool and worked really well. I think sticking with the run as much as he, if anything, he should have run more, uh, with it was just very successful on the interior. Um, Ed Ingram did a lot in the run game. Uh, Ezra Cleveland did a lot in the run game. Schlopman survived, but like that line did incredibly in the run game. I think Madison did well. We'll get into it, but, uh, in terms of like that, I think Kevin O'Connell was at least in a good spot. And if not, 
you know, maybe should have run more. But with the way that guys were getting open, it's it's also hard. To, it's like, can he have run end past more? All of it was working. Um, look, man, guys were open all day. I mean, you you flick it on, you can look just how open guys were. Jefferson open all the time. Addison open all the time. Hawkinson open all the time. Osborne was there. Like, there were a lot of opportunities. And hey, this was not the worst game of the in the world for Cousins by any stretch of the imagination. Ended up with like 350, you know, got in the end zone. Um, had a couple of really, really great throws to get to make touchdowns with three touchdowns. Like, two of those were, I think, more about the receivers doing their thing. But hey, the one to Josh Oliver was great and honestly should have had a fourth one to TJ Hawkinson at the end of the game. I think that was a touchdown-worthy play, if you will. Um, so by all means, there were ups to go with the downs, but the downs for me mostly happened in the early part of the game. And then he kind of got more comfortable as the game went on. But in the early part of the game, there were some really, really baffling turndowns. Um, and, and you can see him look at stuff and move off of it. And, and I don't know, Hey, look, I'm not a quarterback. Maybe I just don't understand, but I'm seeing exactly the leverages that you'd want, exactly the separation that you'd want. And in the part of the progression, that's like the early part of the progression. There's one that really bugs me on a third and five. That is uh, Justin Jefferson running a crosser, a shallow crosser with a corner paired with it from the two, which is TJ Hawkinson. And it's supposed to get a, a zone defender in conflict, right? And the Chargers do a reasonable job of passing this off. They've got a, an underneath cornerback and an underneath nickel corner that are um, passing this off. The cornerback backs off and then takes the uh, TJ Hawkinson corner route and the nickel crashes down on the shallow cross. That's the way that they have this. But it's not this. It's not a perfect transition by any means. And there's a, a lot of um, time and a lot of space to throw that ball. And the ball, I think, just has to go to Justin Jefferson. We take a sack instead. It's not the slowest sack in the world, and I don't think it absolves the O-line. Like, you got to protect it a little bit better. But the fact that he came off of Justin Jefferson for that one gives me a lot of pause. Why weren't you feeling it? And beyond that, I, there were some inaccuracies, and sometimes it was, you know, hit as you threw. What are you going to do about that? But there were other times where you just saw unquiet feet, and that's not usual for Kirk Cousins. He's usually, his base is not usually jittery right he he will set himself up and he'll throw where he's supposed to throw now if you need him to throw off platform because there's a guy in his lap he's not as consistent at that as other quarterbacks are it's not really his game um but we, i mean we've known that for years that's not really what i'm evaluating him on um but in you know cleaner pocket situations it's like he came out expecting to get hit and, and that's one of the things that i hear a lot that i just have never really been persuaded by when you say, you know, man, he's like really rushing his process here and he's got a clean pocket. And it goes and, and people will say, well, can you blame him? He gets hit every play. Of course, he expects to get hit. If the pressure is getting to you physically because there was pressure on you and you couldn't step into the throw properly and your mechanics got messed up and you missed. All right. Fair enough. But if there wasn't physical pressure and there's only pressure up in the mental, that's a you problem. Um, and then I think in the second half things didn't get better in terms of missed opportunities but in my opinion at least they got less Kirk Cousins's fault <laughs> I think he started playing a lot better uh when you have like the 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 yak touchdowns I referred to I think Cousins can absolutely take some piece of the credit pie for both of them for those throws being really good in stride um 
sort of leading the receiver to the optimal place for him to create the, those after catch opportunities, whether it was the Osborne one or the Jefferson one. Um, so I, I don't think saying that two of his touchdowns were, f- were fake and, you know, only one was real is actually fair. I think he absolutely gets credit for some of that. Um, again, I think the, the throw at the end of the game that turned into the interception, I think was a really, really good throw. And, uh, I had, well, I guess let me transition into the next thing. I think it started becoming other people's fault, right? Either Brian O'Neill, who had a total disaster class in pass protection. Oh my God, he was getting beat all day. Uh, or TJ Hawkinson, who also had a disaster class, right? He had the fumble. He, uh, it, that interception at the end was his fault. Um, so two, two turnovers on him. And then a bunch of instances that I think I'm going to guess were, uh, wrong routes and I'm super guessing. So if I'm wrong, I apologize, but going off of the resources that I have, which are, Shanahan lingo playbook stuff that Mike McDaniel wrote many, many years ago that have sort of been shared around and most of the lingo and framework is still the same. And we see coaches kind of come up with new wrinkles on that stuff to keep defenses on, on their heels. Um, and most of the principles, like the broad principles, things like, Hey, when you run a crosser, run it at four yards depth, pretty much every offense still does that. If you watch the Vikings run their crossers, they're always going to be at the same depth. Um, when they run corner routes, like deep corner routes, they're always aim- aiming at a 25-yard gain. Like 25 yards is just is the depth there. And that is true if you watch Vikings tape, if you watch Packers tape, if you watch 49ers tape, if you watch Dolphins tape, if you watch uh, Bengals tape, all of it, based on this kind of same tree of things, are kind of using those same depths. And how they deploy those things is different, but... They, you know, will will teach it roughly the same, and and maybe they'll they'll tweak it for game plans. So I think it's a good resource. And when I would see, you know, receivers bumping into each other or running their routes too close to each other, and then I would kind of try to reverse engineer what that was supposed to be. I think there were two or three different times where I thought T.J. Hawkinson did it wrong. There's one where I thought he ran too deep. I think on the interception, he is running a stick or a spot route where you're supposed to turn around and then versus man coverage, you're supposed to uncover. If you've got a guy breathing down your neck, you're supposed to uncover. And I think what Cousins saw was a situation where Hawkinson was supposed to uncover and Hawkinson didn't uncover, so he had to reach outside his body. And there's two things I say. One, I think Cousins was right and Hawkinson was wrong, that Hawkinson should have uncovered there. But two, catch that ball. It hit you in the catching parts. Those are the things that you catch with, and you should catch the ball with them. Instead, you tipped it up, and the Chargers caught it. So, disaster class from TJ Hawkinson for what he's getting paid, even not for what he's getting paid. For being a starting NFL tight end, we need to do better there. And and let's hope that he does next game, because he was also very dynamic, really good at wide choice, really good at, you know, very clutch in in a lot of situations, a lot of third down stuff. Um, Very valuable piece. Had a bad day. It is what it is. Let's talk about the run game next. In particular, uh, Alexander Madison and Vision. And then we'll also go into some defensive stuff. So we got a lot coming down the pipe. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to give you some uh, crucial fantasy advice. Today, I want to talk to you about quarterback emergency situations. Some of y'all might have been 
dunked on by quarterback injuries, whether you were an Aaron Rodgers person and now you've been scrambling, or maybe you're a Derek Carr owner and you just need a quick solution to tide you over. I wonder if Brock Purdy is available in your league. And in a lot of leagues, he is available as somebody that doesn't really have that name brand recognition. But look, he is playing sharply in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And all he has to do is dish the ball out to Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and so on. Uh, and you still get a piece of those fantasy yards. I don't care if it's a pop pass still counts for you. <laughs> He should be able to manage multiple scores against that Arizona defense that is, yeah, coming off a great game against Dallas, but uh, I don't know if that magic is going to continue. 250 plus passing yards and uh, a, a big early lead doesn't sound like that crazy of a thing. Um, but really thinking about it, it's all about Brock Purdy's fit in San Francisco. Hey, Locked on 49ers, I'm sure has lots of interesting thoughts on that, uh, but eBay Motors understands that it's all about fit and how things work within each other. Uh, and it's the same thing with your car. They've got over 122 million parts with your car, and you can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. No matter what your car needs, whether it's a just a light bulb replacement or something more serious, you can go to eBay Motors, and they'll help you figure out what part fits with your car, with your make and model, because that can be such a jungle to navigate and get it shipped directly to your door. Just look for that green check and you will be able to get something that fits your car the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, can't beat it. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast. Let's hit on the run game. Uh, the Vikings ran the ball finally on the Chargers, and that's uh, kind of a Chargers problem, right? They aren't great at that, uh, famously. But there's also, I think, something to just getting in a rhythm because the Vikings have done poorly running the ball for years against, or like last year, they went up against bad run defenses and then their bad run defenses, you know, had the, their best games of the year because we still couldn't run the ball because we couldn't execute. And this time I think we executed. Uh, zone running, we just executed. And in particular, it was double teams. Um, double teams against that interior, as much as that interior got lots of pressure and then that was nice and flashy, the double teams really washed them out. Uh, and that made life really, really hard for guys like Kenneth Murray, their linebackers, because you can just bring that D tackle right to the linebacker. And it's impossible now for him to sort of play two gaps the way that he was supposed to. That combo block has now worked and Alexander Madison can utilize that as well. Um, by, you know, running patiently and waiting for guys to climb up or by just taking the space and forcing that hesitation that it causes to really punish you. And Madison in particular, I thought Madison had a pretty good game except for hold on to the ball, right? Um, there was that forward progress fumble. Can't do that. On that play, I, I saw a lot of stuff. I was, I was going to post something about that play uh, on Twitter and then I saw a couple other people do it and I, I just, I don't feel confident enough in I like, I think I agree with what they said, but I don't feel confident enough in it to like have that be one of my clips for the, for the week. Um, but, but basically the idea was he was kind of pressing front side and it's outside zone. So you go front to back when you're reading that. And he kind of went off the front side gap early and tried to cut back, but that cutback lane wasn't as there as it looked. Um, and so I, I guess you would call it a misread. 
Uh, and then, you know, obviously you got to hold on to the football. I know you got stopped on forward progress. I still think that whistle was quicker than average. And I think the Vikings got a little bit lucky there. Uh, and then the other fumble was kind of as he was hitting the ground. I'm not as mad about it. I still like hang on to the ball, make it not a question, but, um, <laughs> I don't know, I guess improvement, but I still have like a pretty strong fumble concern for uh alexander madison and kevin o'connell actually said you know hey if you don't stop like these guys have to fumble or we're going to find somebody who doesn't or have to stop fumbling or we're going to find somebody who can stop fumbling so that that's sort of feels like it has to be directed at madison who's been good for two a game here and i think has been like the only consistent fumbler uh but I think when it comes to vision, running back vision, this is the greater conversation that I want to have. So when you are at the college level or even at lower levels at, you know, high school and, and like JV and stuff, um, the rules are pretty set in stone. The lower you get, the less leeway you have. You know, if you're a high school running back, you don't necessarily have as much leeway to break the rules and say, but I, but coach, I found space and I went and got it. Uh, because you're probably wrong. That's probably fool's gold, right? You're a teenage idiot. <laughs> the difference, you know, once you get to the NFL level, you have a lot of experience. And so you have a little bit more leeway to break those rules. Um, when Alexander Madison cuts back into a lane that isn't there, you don't tell him, hey, you're not supposed to cut that back. That's a front side run play. You know, it's not like a busted coverage, right, where you broke a rule and and now we have to go yell at you about it. It's the rock is in your hands. You're responsible for advancing it. Um, and so when we talk about running back vision, for one, I've seen some bad screenshots out there. If you want to pause and say, look at this hole, why didn't he run through it? You're probably doing it wrong. And I don't mean that to, to look down my nose or anything like that, but what I want, the reason I'm pointing that out is because it's just a bad way to look at things. And I think if you're going to do that and, and you're going to, you're going to post a screenshot on social media, be really, really, really careful. Um, because oftentimes those holes will open up and they're supposed to look really juicy. Defensive linemen want those holes to look really juicy so that the running back comes up up them and then you can flash across the your your guy's face and go make a tackle sort of appear in that gap right at the last second after you've baited the running back into it. That's gap and a half. There's a lot of that's jam techniques. There's all kinds of run fit techniques that are the defensive linemen trying to do that. So when when, when you post the um you know, look how big this hole was thing. It's almost like posting a picture of Deion Sanders and covered and saying, look how open this receiver is. Yeah, it's supposed to look like that. He wants you to think it looks open, right? Um, so that's something to just be super, super, super careful of when you're talking about like running back vision. And I think a better way to talk about running back vision is to just understand the, the various like reads. And they're not that complicated for our purposes. From us, where we can be the eye in the sky with the benefit of hindsight and pausing and frame by framing, and we don't have to read it fast. Um, basically, you can look at, for zone, there is an initial aiming point, and then the play just kind of reads to the backside from there. For the Vikings, it's almost always following the tackle and then reading uh, toward the backside. So you look at the tackle and then you just go kind of front side to back side of the play. There's zone. And then on uh, lead plays, like 
gap plays, power and counter, or plays with like an actual fullback or tight end leading, you follow the lead blocker. And a lot of times the lead player, he's the one that is given running back instructions that's basically find daylight uh, or find a hole that only has one guy in it. You block that guy and now the running back can go through, right? And the running back's job is essentially to follow that lead player until things close up around him and then suddenly you you just kind of improvise from there and, and, then, and then it just becomes find your daylight find your or find your maximum opportunity and to some running backs that means lower your shoulder and go fight for two extra you know churn out two extra yards once you find that contact and go back to the huddle for some that's juke and jive and dance around and try to make something crazy happen and go for the explosive all the time right there's validity to both strategies and there's a time and place for both right um Look, that's enough bellyaching about the offense. The defense is also uh, problematic. <laughs> There's some problems with the defense. But I really want to sort of dive into what the Chargers did to counter Brian Flores. And is that the blueprint that everybody can copy now? The Vikings are 0-3. It might feel like the apocalypse. But hey, the real apocalypse might be right around the corner. You don't know. And you got to be prepared for that. Or maybe not necessarily a full-on doomsday scenario. But hey, what if you get a cut and it gets infected and you, for whatever reason, you can't get to a doctor or you can't get the medications that you need because there's a supply chain issue or something like that or because of some random climate disaster. We live in that kind of world where the unexpected happens all the time. You know, global pandemic and such. And the Jace case from Jace Medical is exactly what you need in that scenario. All it takes to get a Jace case, which is which has five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use, all you got to do is to fill, up a, fill out a simple online form and sometimes maybe jump on a quick call with a board-certified physician. Don't be caught unprepared. Go, you can get $20 off of all of these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code locked on at checkout. That's jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Get 20 bucks off of life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com. Once again, J-A-S-E medical.com. Just want to extend another thank you to my hashtag everydayers. Love hearing from you. Those of you who listen to this show every single day day, uh, whether I'm in your car or whatever. Love you guys. Let's move on to um, the defense. And here's the deal. This is this was not a game that we can learn a lot from the defense, uh, which sucks, right? I, I, I hate it. I hate not being able to come away with conclusions. That kind of feels like maybe that's a me problem. Like maybe that's just a failure of my own. Um, but it just kind of felt like they just did what they did and the Chargers beat it. Um, and sometimes that happens, you know, I, th I think about some of the more bigger blowouts in, in the league, you know, the 70 point dolphins thing or what happened to the bears against the chiefs. And I just think like, sometimes you just show up and you don't have what you need. You just didn't prepare for this. Right. And you got, and you got, got, you know, sometimes you show up to a wedding underdressed and oops, you know, there you show up, maybe not a wedding. You showed up to an event underdressed and you don't have a change of clothes in the car. And I, I think that there is this sense when you get in a game and something's not working, okay, what's the adjustment? What do we do? Where, how do we change? What do we change? And if you didn't bring it, you didn't bring it. And your only option is to go through that event being underdressed. And it sucks. And you just feel weird that whole time. And there's nothing you can do. And all you, all you can do is endure and wait for it to be over. And the Vikings felt like they were in that spot. Um, I don't know why they didn't come off the blitz. They blitzed like an insane amount of the time. It was like 80%. 
splits and they barely got pressure on Justin Herbert. Now the chargers got the ball out quick when they saw blitz. It was three steps ball out every single time. So to beat that, you need to win your one-on-ones instantly. And we've been on the wrong end of this with some of the disaster class O-line we've had in the last few years, right? You see the Drew Samia low light reel. Some of that is quick game. Some of that is three-step drop and throw, and we're taking sacks on it. And the way to get a sack on three-step drop and throw is kind of only to beat someone that bad. Um, and the Vikings just aren't capable of beating someone that bad. Even Daniil Hunter, who had his, had a great season so far, isn't going to beat someone that bad. But that's like way too much to ask of Jonathan Bullard or Patrick Jones or Andre Carter, who did get three pressures on his 13 snaps. That's a good rate. We'll see if that continues. I think there's some small sample stuff. One of them, at least, was super fugazi. It was... Uh, a screen where he just caught a piece of the, the tight end that was supposed to, it was a mid screen to a tight end and, and he was the tight end was his man. <laughs> so he just got a free run to the quarterback. It's like, okay, well, good job, right? Like you got off the ball and you went to the quarterback, you know, no apologies, but it's not going to move me very much. Um, I, I don't know about the other two, but uh, off the top of my head, I might do a Patreon on it. If I, if I really feel like there's any, there's something super interesting with him, but I think, I don't know, need, need more information, but more data to be gathered on that. Uh, but I digress. The, the point is, you're going to get a lot of one-on-ones when you're blitzing seven, right? And they have seven in protection and we're doing quick game. Or they have six in protection and we're doing quick game. And we're and seven rushers are coming. So someone's going to be free. Everybody else is going to be one-on-one. That free rusher very often would run up against like the running back. So you'd actually have like a hat on a hat. And if they got a hat on a hat, hey, look, that could be... Ivan Pace versus a running back who actually has done a pretty good job of juking those guys and getting advantageous matchups and still getting into the quarterback's lap, but it's not instant and has to be instant in this world to prevent three-step drop and throw. And this defense isn't designed to stop three-step drop and throw. We're not trying to get to someone that instantly. That's really, really hard to do. Our idea is, hey, if they're in three-step drop and throw all day, it's going to be like Sam Bradford in 2016. It's going to be a whole bunch of two-yard passes that aren't going to be good enough, and hopefully we can choke them out that way. The Chargers did a really good job of of denying that last part, the passes not being long enough. It was three-step drop and a nine-yard hitch. So if we want adjustments to be made, right, here are the things that I can can maybe suggest for, or that that I can foresee the Vikings trying um, in the future if we run into another team that's that good at three-step drop and throw, substantial routes um for one you can make your cornerbacks align a little bit shallower on those blitzes right get them get them up into into not press press is not allowed we can't do press that's too much but you know turn an 11 yard alignment into a nine yard alignment that kind of thing we could do that i've suggested that before this year um the and then i think i walked it back but that's an, an option um you could back off of those blitzes entirely. You could still sim them and you can back out into drop eight Tampa two, like what the Vikings did against the Eagles. That worked out pretty well. And I think if we're going to critique Brian Flores, I think that should have been inbounds. Hey, I mean, we just did that, you know, 10 days ago. It's not that crazy to, to go into halftime and say, we're going to start doing some of the stuff we did against the Eagles. Y'all remember it? Yeah, you remember it? You're good. Okay. Um, so we could have done that. Uh, or 
we could have come off the blitzes entirely and just started rushing four and dropping back and covering and seeing if that would have worked. That's my least favorite option. Uh, I think that's just sort of trying to win mano y mano with guys that aren't going to win mano y mano. I don't think that's, uh, you know, I don't think we have the horses to live that way. Uh, but either way, I think it's it's fair to ask that there could have been another adjustment there from from Bl- from Brian Flores. And I think from a roster building perspective, we just don't have the pass rush. We need Marcus Davenport to like be that dude. And if he's not that dude, then we might just be caught at the wedding in jeans and we just kind of got to live with it and endure and hope that it doesn't ruin everything too bad (laughs) or hope that, you know, we don't run into a bunch of Justin Herberts. Let's hope that Bryce Young, if he's the one that's going to play, is not capable of three step drop and throw a nine yard hitch every play. Right. Let's hope that the Carolina Panthers aren't quite as dialed in. That Chargers offense was really, really polished. Let's hope that other offenses aren't as polished. Chiefs, harder to imagine uh, getting away with it. Bears week six. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see that from them. I don't think that that they're going to have that counterpunch and they're going to have to find some other way around this. Um, So. I I don't know, I I don't think it's like existential, but I do think that it's um, a cost that the Vikings have sort of decided that they're going to take on the chin and they're just going to live in a way that that says this we're going to lose games this way sometimes and i think that's a hard way to live in a in a season with a single elimination format because it's like what do you think you're going to get into the playoffs and not run into a team that can do that you need a counterpunch, but hey maybe they got something up their sleeve for that uh and you know we'll we'll, we'll cross that bridge if and when we come to it right um, tomorrow is crossover Thursday. We'll talk to locked on Panthers with Julian council. Uh, very excited. I've only talked to him once since he took over locked on Panthers. So, uh, excited to get to know him a little better too. And, uh, then of course we've got our Friday things coming up, our prize picks, our bold predictions and all that. So start thinking about him. I will see you all for that. And as always skull.